my hierarchy would be something like this. I type letters, I type words, phrases, sentences, paragraphs. I sequence the paragraphs, I make chapters, I write books. It's all coherently laid out towards some higher order aim, all of that. And the aim is, <clears throat> as far as I'm concerned, to share my clinical knowledge and to educate people. And that makes sense because I'm a clinician and a researcher and a professor. And so if I was going to do that, I've decided I'm going to do that. So that's what I'm doing. And hopefully that's a good thing. And hopefully people respond to it as if it's a good thing because then that's a good thing for me and it's a good thing for them. And so that seems to be like the very definition of a good thing. And I'm trying to set things straight, right? I'm trying to set myself straight by writing carefully. I'm trying to set the culture straight by saying what I believe to be the case. I'm trying to set other individuals straighter by communicating with them. I'm trying to ensure that we can live more harmoniously in our culture and in the world. And you think, well, those are good things to have at the outermost reaches of your value hierarchy. You know, my friend of mine was talking to me about bricklayers the other day, and he's trying to restructure a major company at the moment. And we were talking about how to motivate people and said, well, let's say you're a bricklayer. It's like, you know, one damn brick after another. How are you going to be excited about that? Well, let, let's say you're a medieval bricklayer, right? And it's, it's 1500 and you're working in, you're working in one of the great, uh, you're working in one of the great early Renaissance cities in Europe. And it isn't a wall you're building, it's a cathedral. It's going to take 350 years. And why are you doing that? Well, it's for the ultimate glory of God, whatever that means. And so you're not putting one brick down after another. It's like you're involved in this unbelievably complicated moral structure that stretches, really stretches all the way up to heaven itself, so to speak. And each of your minor actions, you know, your local actions is imbued with the spirit of that entire moral structure. Well, that's a philosophy. It's like, well, do you have a meaning in life? What's the meaning of life? Well, hopefully it isn't just unrequited suffering and malevolence. We could dispense with that as much as possible. That might be a good start. But then to aim high, well, that seems to be reasonable. To aim as high as you can. And we've laid out things that could be aimed at. You could constrain yourself, you know. There are things you're not doing and things that you shouldn't be doing. You stop doing the things that you shouldn't be doing and start doing the things you should be doing. That's a good start. Wake up enough so that you can set the structures around you right. It's your moral obligation as a citizen, your responsibility and your divine duty, I would say, from our cultural perspective, because in the West, everyone is regarded as a sovereign individual. The fate, the fate of the state, a sovereign individual on whose shoulders rests the fate and the health of the state, right? That's the fundamental presupposition. Otherwise, well, why do you get to vote? To just to make a mistake? Well, no, that's not it. You're supposed to be awake so that the ship of state continues to move forward in the appropriate direction. And somehow we've decided that's up to you. Why? Well, because we've also decided, hey man, you can do it. And not only that, no one else can. And so that's something to know and might be something to take seriously. It's like, who knows what the hell you'd be if you got your act together.
you'd be a force to contend with, you know? You'd have constrained the malevolence of, in your own soul, and you'd, you'd have started to take advantage of the potential that's around you, and to build yourself out of that potential into God only knows what, you know? And then, and then maybe with that wisdom, you can set the structures around you in order, at least more in order than they are, or maybe to, to disintegrate them a bit when they need it, and to restructure them so they're even better than they are. And you can push back nature, in its, in its horrible form and invite it forward in its positive form and make things better for you and for your family and for your community. And you can approach the unknown itself and you can explore that, the potential that's out there. And you can bring back the treasure that's part of the unknown potential. And you can distribute that. And, and that is what you can do. And then not only that's what you need to do because you need to have a meaning in your life a name, a value structure that's of sufficient potency and magnitude to justify the limitations and the trouble that life constitutes, right? It's not, this is no trivial business that we're involved in, right? We're all in this up to our necks, literally. It's a, it's a mortal game. You're all in. And, and, there's, and, and, and to play it wrong is, is, is to risk suffering in hell. And, and I'm not talking about afterlife. I'm not talking about something metaphysical. You can generate plenty of hell right here around you. Plenty. An unlimited amount. And so, you can move towards that direction or you can move towards a positive direction. And you can orient yourself. And you know, you can know, you can learn. This is why the postmodernists are so incorrect. It's like, look, you need a name. You need a name. You cannot organize the way you look at the world without a name. It's not optional. And then the question is, well, what should the aim be? Well, probably not to radically increase the amount of misery and suffering that you experience in everyone else. I mean, maybe you want to go that route, but... And people do, but I think they only do when they become bitter and they give up, you know? They, they, and they make mistakes they know they're making, right? It's, it's conscious decision to go down that route. It's not like they think that's okay to begin with. Their aim's wrong. It's like, straighten out your aim. So, there's an old idea, this idea of sin. Sin is a word that was derived from a Greek word, hamartia. And hamartia is an archery term, and it means to miss the target. And so you think, well, how can you miss the target? Well, you have no weapon. Well, then you miss the target. You, you have no target. You have no aim. Well, then, then you miss the target. You, you don't pick up your bow. Well, then you miss the target. You don't draw it back. Then you miss the target. You don't practice and, and miss many times, right? Because you, you have to do that to develop the skill to hit the target. So you're not willing to take the risk to miss. You, you do none of that, and so you miss the target, and that's the sin, and then you miss your life. And then what happens around you is that, well, there's far more hell than there has to be, and there's much less heaven than there could be, and it's on you. And, and that's part of your, what would you say, your divine value, let's say, that, that sets you aside along with everyone else as, as something someone, some being, that even the law itself has to respect intrinsically. And it's marked out in our culture by the sovereignty that you possess and the notion that there's something in you that's made in the image of God, something that can confront the unknown and to create 
habitable order out of chaos and potential and to do that properly. And that's all true as far as I can tell. And it's all necessary to know. It's coded in the deepest stories that are at the base of our culture. And we're, we're in danger of not understanding them and not believing them. And it's a big mistake because they're heavy and profound and weighty and fundamental and necessary because you have to stand on something that's solid or everything is sand and you you fall in and and you're done and so is everything around you you can't look at the world without an aim literally you can't even perceive it you cannot regulate your emotions without a name the better your aim the more precise your aim the more elevated your aim you remember in in pinocchio when when geppetto wants to turn pinocchio into a real boy he wishes on a star it's a strange thing eh but everybody just accepts it it's like well yeah if you've got a puppet you just made a puppet and you want to turn it into a boy logical thing to do is open the window and wish on a star everyone knows that it's like none of that makes the least bit of sense obviously except metaphorically but we do understand it because we can watch that and it makes sense it's, there's something magical about it and there is something magical about it because the truth of the matter is is that if you want to transform something that's nothing but a wooden-headed puppet into something that's a fully functional autonomous moral autonomous individual then what you do is you elevate your eyes above the horizon to the highest point of light that you can perceive and you aim at that and that works and that works for you and it works for your partner and it works for your children and it works for the world